Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast with me, Sam Matterface, the uh, wonderful Trevor Sinclair, the former England winger, and TalkSport's Alex Crook as Manchester City... Fall at the first hurdle. The Spurs fans celebrating. Hyung Min Son has scored. It's 1 0 to Tottenham against Manchester City. Big win for Tottenham, big win for Manchester United, big win for Chelsea as well. But does it mean anything in the context of the title race? And Fernandez on a hat trick is in behind here. He shoots it to the top corner and scores. It's a hat trick on the opening day for Bruno Fernandez. And Bruno is the star of the show. All 10 games reviewed and dissected ahead of a big week of transfer action. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. This is Game Day. Hello to Trevor Sinclair and to Alex Crook, both who had very busy, busy weekends. Trevor, you're okay? I'm very well, Sam. Thank you. How are you sure you're okay? Because I mean, I'm good. I, I, I can't remember which team you're supporting this weekend. <laughs> Probably West Ham United. I would have thought after. Yeah, because because they won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I did call it earlier in the week. Wouldn't be surprised if Spurs beat Manchester City. Um, you look at the players that are out. Um, we'll go into it a little bit more detail, but yeah, I wasn't surprised. It's good news that you're listening to the Game Day podcast on a Thursday to get your preview information because both Crook and I. Both said the same thing. Yeah, okay. We did. okay. I, I think I'll be after my Wednesday show with uh, <laughs> Simon and, 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 and um, Jim. Don't get big time, Trevor. All right, all right, all right. I, I think I went for a draw, but um, I think we all expected that, that Manchester City would drop points. And what can you afford, <laughs> Trevor? Three more defeats before you're out the title race? <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Crookie. <laughs> Crookie's only just uh, got off air, so he's had a beer. He's a bit lively. He's a bit live. He's a bit live. Yeah. Look, um, Tottenham Hotspur against Manchester City, obviously the big story of the uh, the weekend and Tottenham victory over the Premier League champions. But uh, there's lots more stories to get into as well. And bearing in mind there's 10 games to dissect, we might as well do it. Ladies and gentlemen, the performance is about to begin. We have theatre again. If you prefer to listen to your football with the natural sound of the stadium, well, you're in luck. It's showtime. I 
it's an incredible start to this new Premier League campaign. What a story we have here on the opening night of the Premier League season. It's Brentford 2, Arsenal 0. Old Trafford, the theatre of dreams. And Fernandez on a hat-trick, he's in behind here, he shoots it to the top corner and scores! It's a hat-trick on the opening day for Bruno Fernandes and Bruno is the star of the show. Pogba has made three goals. Bruno Fernandes has scored three goals. Here come Everton again with Richarlison. Only cross. Calvert-Lewin! It's 3-1! Surely the points are safe for Rafa Benitez. You could not write this, Adrian. It's Chelsea 3, Crystal Palace 0 and the most unlikely of goal scorers is Trevor Shalabar. I am so, so happy that this place is full of Chelsea fans for that goal from a true Chelsea boy. Well, Burnley 1, Brighton 2. The goal scorer is Alexis McAllister with his first touch. Body, by the way, fed by Madison. I tried an audacious back flick but wasn't able to turn it in. And Vardy does turn it in. Goals as they go in. Ball in from the right. There is Jamie Vardy. It's a third goal for Watford and lead Aston Villa by three goals to nil. He's only been on the pitch a couple of minutes. And Kucho Hernandez has announced himself here at Vicarage Road. Headed out of harm's way as far as Salah. 3-0 to Liverpool. Unstoppable shot by Mo Salah. Starts the season as he means to go on again. Opening day is open season for him. Newcastle 2, West Ham United 4, and it's Mikhail Antonio. It's the Spurs fans celebrating. Hyunmin Son has scored. It's 1-0 to Tottenham against Manchester City. Game day returns to your radio and it's bigger and bolder than ever before. Let's start with Tottenham against Manchester City. Manchester City beaten on the first day of the season. What is it about going to Tottenham that they don't like? It's the fourth time in a row, Trevor, that they have lost in League and Cup football. Why do they not like... Why does Pep not like going to North London? What is it? Well, to start with, I think they've had great players in the past. You, you know, you look at Son and Kane. Um, they're a team, if they have a deep block and hit you on the counter-attack, as I've seen, as I've commentated with you, Sam... They're very dangerous and they didn't have Kane, but I think Son was superb. I thought he really sucks off. I thought Lucas Moore was great. Um, going forward, I thought they were really dangerous on the on the counter-attack. Defensively, I think we're seeing a different Tottenham. You know, Nuno Espirito Santo deserves a lot of credit. Um, he's gone in there. The club's in a little bit of disarray because of what, what's happening with Harry Kane. He's settled the ship. He's managed to get them fit, get them committed, get the team spirit right and get the boys believing in the way that he wants them to play. It's fascinating, isn't it, that someone like Son, who just has the bit between his teeth whenever he plays Manchester yeah. City, I get the feeling that he quite likes being the man, <laughs> the main man. Um, seven goals against Manchester City in his career since he joined Tottenham, that's pretty impressive. He's great. I think, I, listen, I've, I've said it for a while, I know Harry Kane scores all the goals, but I actually think, um, I mean, Son is probably the most important player um, for Tottenham because, one, his movement, two, his assists... Three, the fact that he's got pace. So when teams are playing against Tottenham, if they squeeze up and try and press Tottenham, he's always a threat going in behind. Whereas Harry Kane's not got that kind of explosive pace. And I think he's a really integral part of that team. He signed a new contract, which again, you have to credit Nuno 
um, and, and, and the people at Spurs for offering a contract and offering him a project that he wants to be part of, you know, the stadium, the training ground, the fans, the club, London. Um, yeah, no, he was he was brilliant today and he really did lead the team well. Does not make out that uh, Nuno Espirito Santo has been sold the uh, project of Tottenham Hotspur? He was like the seventh no, choice. No. Yeah, I, yeah, but I agree with what Trevor has said there. I think um, they were organised. They were all together. They were playing for each other. I think it was quite a, a pertinent point, Son going to all corners of the, the stadium, patting the badge on his chest. And I do wonder if that's a symbol that maybe even the Tottenham players are a bit sick and tired of the Harry Kane saga. But I think we need to ask some early questions of Pep Guardiola as well. Benjamin Mendy, an absolute disaster at left back. All the money they've spent, they still haven't really got... Well, they've never had a left back, exactly. Since since time memoriam, they haven't had a left back. But that, but no that's one's a, ever nailed that position down. That's unforgivable when you've invested the money that Pep Guardiola has. And I wonder what Gabriel Jesus is making of it tonight, because mm. clearly City want Harry Kane. My understanding is that they'll go back in with a a second bid. Nah, it's done next week. It? Tottenham have announced it. They announced it with a tweet earlier on. Where <laughs> yeah, they said, whatever happens. That was a we'll strange give, tweet, but we'll give a hundred percent. If you're Gabriel Jesus, this is the first game of the season. First game without Sergio Aguero ahead of you in the pecking order, and still you get 25 minutes at the end of a game in which you're one 0 down. Pep again choosing to play a false number nine. Clearly, he doesn't have a future at the club. Should whoa, he have whoa, come whoa, on whoa. earlier? Whoa, whoa, whoa. He, play, he played uh, in the South American Cup final against Argentina. So I think you look at a lot of the players that played in that. And apart from Raheem, everyone else was rested who were involved in the... Well, but, but why? Trevor, why? 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 Because Maguire, well, Shaw, they both started Mount. Yeah, started I think it's just... Why is it, why is it that everybody at Manchester City gets an extra couple of days? I think it's just the intensity. They went to the Champions League final. Some of the well, they lost, in- so that's not the case, is it? No, I know, but I, f- I think it's not just physically. I think mentally, and I think you know, we, we've seen a fantastic performance. I have to say, by Tanganga at right back against Raheem and against Jack Grealish, um, the the will to win, the will to compete, the mental strength, the aggression. Sorry, um, your, your point is that Jaffet Tanganga has outwitted. He's not outwitted. He's mentally more prepared because but, but I, don't I think, understand that. I think players that, that played, in, I think players that played in major championships at international level over the, I've experienced it. Players that played in in, in the uh, international tournaments in the summer are mentally fatigued to uh, to be uh, be given two weeks off and be asked to come back, start training again. You won't li- you won't have lost too much fitness, but mm. mentally to get yourself in the right frame He's of mind and get yourself right that. there. He's played in the Cup of America and the Olympics. He has, yeah, and so is so is Pedri, and so are certain others. But I just think the philosophy at Manchester City is that they want to give the boys rest because they realise the season that they've got ahead, and rather than rush them back and, and throw them into it now, they'd rather give them that extra week or so, whatever they needed. This is Pep's philosophy and Manchester City's philosophy that okay, they might lose the first game, they might be weak in the first few games of the season, but when it gets into the real detail and and, and the where you, you need to start digging out results, these players will be available. If you throw them in too soon. He feels he, he'll burn them out. Simple See, I think that. that's a dangerous tactic this season because I know you started last season slowly. You were eighth or ninth, I think, going into November. I agree, quickly. And you were able to recover, but this is a better league this year. Manchester United are stronger. Chelsea are stronger. Liverpool are stronger. I don't think they can afford to give teams head starts. And they've not got the easiest start to the season no, they in haven't. terms of fixtures. They faced five of last season's top eight in the first seven Premier League games. Who, who, who do you think is the biggest challenge to them, Trevor? 
Well, I've said it many times, you know, since um, Chelsea won the Champions League, um, since the, the record that Chelsea had uh, with Manchester City, the last three games of the season, although the one at home in the league, I think City should have won that game. Uh, poor game management and poor displays um, and, and, and just parts of the game which they didn't get right. They, they, they um, give Chelsea a sniff to win that game and, and Chelsea went on to win it. But the Champions League, again, uh, Pep over-complicating things. So just from the end of last season, never mind recruitment this season, but with the recruitment this season and you look at Romelu Lukaku being brought into Chelsea again, left the boy, coming back a real determined champion mm. uh, and wanting to do it in the blue shirt of Chelsea. I think they've definitely improved. And yeah, I, I, I've always thought since Thomas Tuchel took over at Chelsea, that they've they've displayed a real um, desire, organisation, and consistency to be Premier League champions. Obviously, when you are champions, everybody wants to shoot at you, and all of the other teams that are vying to be Premier League champions won this weekend and won very well, by the way. Yeah, and I know it's the first day of the season, and, and sometimes you can get too carried away if you have a good result. Equally, you can get too down if you have a bad one. But I do think Manchester United, Chelsea. And Liverpool all laid down a marker, maybe Leicester to a lesser extent with their win against Wolves. And obviously Manchester City have made a disappointing start. They've lost their last three competitive games without scoring a goal, if you include the Community Shield, all 1-0 defeats. It is a competitive game, the Community Shield. Just remember that. It's not, <laughs> it's not friendly. Just so you know. <laughs> right, OK. So Manchester City have beaten by Tottenham Hotspur uh, away from home, not for the first time. Uh, City won the league by 12 points this season, but we all think it's going to be much closer. Is it going to be much closer because Manchester United are up for the fight? The opening weekend of the Premier League. Game day starts with Manchester United against Leeds United. Oh, that's short. Might come to Greenwood. Goes over the top of Melier's head and he has to finger it behind and away for a corner kick. Fernandez into the area, takes it down, takes on Melier, shoots, touched by Melier, can't keep it out. And Bruno Fernandez scores the opening goal at Old Trafford of the Premier League season. Brilliant pass from Paul Pogba. Perfect delivery from him first time. Dallas onto Ailing, who gets to the edge of the box, shoots, oh, and next wow. one fly into the far corner. An absolute thunderbolt wow. from Luke Ailing. Fabulous. Strike. It's Manchester United one leads one. Pogba up to the halfway line, sends it in behind Strike, and Greenwood is away. He races beyond Strike into the box. James at the far post. Manchester United just pegged back by Luke Ayling are back in front within minutes Pogba finds Fernandez into the area again down the right side stops the ball comes back left footy it's cleared off the line is it no it went over the line it's a goal for Fernandez a third goal what a wonderful noise and Fernandez on a hat trick is in behind here he shoots into the top corner and scores and Manchester United lead by four goals to one it's collected by Pogba Pogba's cross into the box he's hit by Fred it's five it's five on the opening day for Manchester United and Fred gets the goal it's Manchester United five Leeds United one Pogba has four assists already Old Trafford rises at one to celebrate the arrival of £73 million acquisition from Borussia Dortmund Jadon Sancho Manchester United celebrate the return of a full crowd back to Old Trafford with a victory in their opening fixture over historic rivals Leeds United. Manchester United 5, Leeds United 1.
Manchester United 5, Leeds United 1. Bruno Fernandes with a hat-trick, four assists for Pogba on a virtuoso display. I must admit, I was lucky enough to be at this game and I thought Pogba was absolutely magnificent. I mean, Fernandes obviously scored three goals, but I mean, it was a brilliant team display. Obviously, Leeds got back into the game with a bit of a rocket just after half-time, but there were three minutes and 13 seconds after Luke Ayling's goal. And... Once Greenwood gets the goal that puts them back in front again, Leeds go to pieces. Yeah, some fantastic football from United. Let's hope that Paul Pogba has set the performance level now and one that he can maintain for the rest of the season because I think he has to resign himself to the fact he isn't going anywhere. He isn't going to Paris Saint-Germain now that they... Well, that route got a little bit messy, didn't it? Exactly. I, you, there's twice you've used that this weekend. Very good. Um, <laughs> but an audience crew. Different audience crew. You've got to recycle these things. <laughs> but it was. It was a good performance. Um, free-flowing, attacking football, some sensational goals. I like the fact that Mason Greenwood started as a frontline striker. I think we're going to see that a lot more this season. Probably rotation between him and Edinson Cavani when he's fit. Fernandez saying that he waited until the fans were back inside Old Trafford to score a hat-trick. Uh, really struck a chord with me. I love the confidence. I love the persona. Um, I like McTominay and Fred actually in midfield at the weekend, although it's probably going to change moving forward. I love- Solskjaer, I asked him about that because all the talk in pre-season was about the change from four... 2-3-1 into 4-3-3 and I said a lot of people saw the team sheet and thought oh, you talked about a progressive midfielder and then you've played Scott McTominay and Fred and he went he was having none of it he was absolutely furious mm-hmm. he said look one Scott's an absolute physical specimen agreed and Fred has improved immeasurably and well look both of them heavily contributed yeah Fred with a goal and, and McTominay um, I hope that if they do change to a more progressive formation. McTominay isn't the victim because I think he's got a big part to play in this team. I think he's got a lot of passion for the badge having come through the academy and I don't think you can underestimate that. I guess you have to feel a bit of sympathy for Victor Lindelof who actually played quite well, set up the goal um, for Fernandes. Yeah, he did. He with a ball down the right-hand side, yeah. Which was probably the pick of the goals. Um, I he's going to get bin for Rafa Exactly, Varane. I wonder what he was uh, thinking when he was seeing Rafa Varane parade with the fans. But listen, it's, it's strength and depth. They've needed that. I think they possibly are still a little bit light up front, despite what I've said about Greenwood. I don't trust Martial, but it's a positive start. They've got a kind start to the season. Yes, they have, lightly wise If they can get some points on the ball, get some confidence, then maybe they could be the team to be called. Trevor, one of the great things about them was they were actually quite forward-thinking in the midfield. Fred, McTominay, Pogba and Fernandez all getting into the box, all trying to cause goal-scoring uh, incidents for Manchester United. That was a bit of a difference from last season. It was all high-octane, very frenetic, very chaotic at times, but it was a massively entertaining game. And Leeds actually couldn't cope with Manchester United by the end. No, they couldn't. Uh, I was impressed with Manchester United. I, I expected to be impressed with them. Uh, I think the recruitment that they've just gives everyone a buzz around the club. They've signed two potentially World Cup class players one's already proven Sancho I think he's on his way to becoming that um, Varane you know the, the the unveiling before the game I thought it was class full stadium the, 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 you know the welcome that he got it just got a buzz around the stadium I was watching they knew what thinking, they were doing there didn't yeah, they yes but superb you know I, I seen I seen the Messi unveiling with the other players at at, um, at PSG and for me the Manchester United one was, was, was better it just come across better more authentic more genuine um, but I do think um, Leeds played into Manchester United's hands. I think mm-hmm. they had a high line. They didn't have pace in the back line. Um, and and unfortunately, well, fortunately for Manchester United, but unfortunately for Leeds, uh, Manchester United had a lot of forward runners, 
Um, Bruno Fernandes movement on the ball look at all his goals he's breaking lines he's getting in behind defenders he's getting in pockets same with uh, Mason Greenwood his goal you know it was a, it was a mismatch in pace and, and when you actually look at Mason Greenwood and, and you think about the, 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 the intensity that he got the ball over the top down that left hand side his touches his movement the composure and the clinicalness with his finish I thought that was very, you know, it'll probably get it'll probably get overlooked, but I thought that was very special. And that, that's probably I thought a that was sign. my favourite goal of the week, actually. The fact that Pogba plays that ball through the eye of the needle down the left-hand mm. side. And you know from the minute yeah. that Mason Greenwood beat Stroke for pace, that Leeds are in massive trouble here. Well, he's going to win the, he's he's win the stanchion, well. isn't he? He's going to win the stanchion. He's going to win the target. He's going to work the goalkeeper if, he, if he's lucky enough to get anywhere near it. And he didn't give him that opportunity. Put it right in the stanchion on the far post. And uh, they did it time and time again. And if you're going to do that against a team that have got willing runners and they, they outpace you, you're mm. going to be in trouble. And I feel I thought Bielsa could have changed that and maybe had a bit of a deeper block and slightly Well, I was surprised the actually they didn't change Cox for Phillips at half-time. Yeah, but I think, again, Bielsa, different managers, different strokes for different blocks. I think Bielsa thinks that um, he possibly mentally is fatigued from, from his exertions over the summer with England getting to the final of the Euros. You said the same about Rice, more. Maguire, Shaw, Mount, all of those players. Grealish all played parts in the European Championships, but that hasn't affected them as much. It seems very odd to me that teams have been able to or have been willing to sacrifice some of their better players on the first weekend of the season. The proof will be in the pudding, Sam, because if you see um well, players, lost, then, and Manchester City no, lost, but and they were the ones that's, that's short-termism. That's short-termism. I think the managers are looking after the welfare of the players long-term. They want them for the season. Now, if they feel throwing them in now to get a result and try and win a result right this minute, right now, it is worth risking the season. Potentially, that's what some managers will look at. And for some managers, they feel rest them for a little bit longer and bring them in and just bring them in nice and slowly and let them get themselves into the right frame of mind. Other managers think, yeah, you know what? They can deal with it. We'll bring them in straight away. We're confident our players are mentally strong enough, physically strong enough, and they can go straight in again. Let's turn our attention to Liverpool against Norwich. 3-0 winners away from home, Liverpool. Trevor, you were at this game. Um, look, Norwich had a bit of a COVID outbreak prior to the start yeah. of this match. 11 players in isolation. They had injuries as well. On the day, watching the game as I did, I thought Norwich were outplayed by Liverpool. I think they're going to struggle defensively. We mentioned that in the build-up to the season. You know, they seem to have added in the wrong area to me. But, you know, what, what did you think having travelled all the way to Carrow Road and watched the game live for TalkSport? Listen, I, th I thought, you know, the first 15 minutes, I thought Norwich looked good. I thought they moved the ball well. They had great passages of play. The only problem with that is when they got the ball into wide areas and got crossed into the box, there was only Pookie in the box. And you're against um, three, two defenders that are about 13 foot between them and then one other defender. And there was a very um, predictable scenario. One of the Liverpool defenders was going to win the ball. And then going the other way, Liverpool grew into the game. The front three or four were sharp. They were more clinical than we've seen for parts of last season, probably similar to the end of last season. Um, and they created a lot of chances. And in the end, it was a bit of a mismatch. And yeah, they were far too strong. Physically, they were too strong. I thought technically they were better, Liverpool. And I thought tactically, I think it could have been changed for, for Norwich. And they, they could have either gone for it a little bit more early doors when they had the energy 
You know, they played a game, their last friendly was against Newcastle. They were in the game at half time, nil-nil. They got beat 3-0. So I was concerned when it was 1-0 at half time that right. they were gonna go, they weren't gonna be able to have the energy, the mobility, the legs to be able to get back in the game. And it's exactly how it played out. Yeah, there was one incident in the second half where I saw Jota sort of slalom through the entire Norwich team, only to be cynically taken down by Todd Cantwell. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that just sums up the frustration that Norwich are facing here. Yeah, it's going to be a long, hard season again. And you have to feel a little bit for, for Daniel Farker because I seem to recall that they had injury problems in their last Premier League season in terms of losing most of their defenders before a ball was kicked and history repeating a little bit this time around. But take nothing away from Liverpool. Van Dijk looking like the Rolls-Royce that he is. It's a cliche, but he's like a new signing for them. Mohamed Salah, the first player in Premier League history to score in the opening day of five successive seasons and he was at the centre of all of their attacking moves and actually they looked to, to be a bit more cohesion and a bit more happiness in the partnership between him and Sadio Mane than maybe we saw last Agreed. season. Yeah, absolutely. And and nine wins in their last 11 games for Liverpool so they've finished last season well to gatecrash the Champions League mm. and, and they've started this one well as well. I don't think we can dismiss them in terms of being genuine title contenders. And another thing on top of that, you know, we've already known about uh, Andy Robertson being injured. He's going to be out for six weeks. I have to say, Simakas on the left-hand side did superbly well. One-on-one uh, -on -one situations, beats a man very easy, easy on the eye, gets good crosses into the box. And this could be a great opportunity for him um, to, to get a good run of games in the team and, and actually give Jurgen Klopp a problem at that left-back position because he was excellent. Well, it's fascinating to see that Liverpool, who for much of last season, I mean, they used 20 different centre-back partnerships. They now look very centre-back heavy, don't they? They've got Matty, <laughs> Virgil van Dijk, Canate uh, and Gomez all fit and available going into the next weekend, which is actually great for them. They take on Burnley at home in front of a full Anfield crowd for the first time since they won the Premier League, which is great. And we're going to be there live on TalkSport. Just, just on, on that, Sam. Just on that. Are you I coming with me on Saturday, by the way? I what? am, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was, You're I was very excited I, about that Liverpool celebration, aren't you? Yes, I am. I am. Um, seeing as all the, the, the trophy will be in different colours, I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to work, but we'll move on from that. <laughs> Virgil van Dijk, I was watching him really closely. I was absolutely buzzing to see him back. Obviously, everyone in the Premier League, who, 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 you know... Who, who, Does those injuries take a toll? Yeah, listen, he's going to take a while. And the fact that you you just mentioned that they've got quite a lot of centre-halves, I think it's a good thing because I don't think that he can play 90 minutes, 90 minutes throughout the season. I think they're going to have to rest him, rotate him, let him get that strength and conditioning back into his legs and then bring him back in. And I think that's got to be something that Jurgen Klopp and the, 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 the doctors, the physios are going to have to work closely together to make sure they get that right because they don't want him breaking down again. And he looked good. He was, wasn't was really challenged or threatened a lot. And the one time he was where I think one of the players from Norwich went down the left-hand side and then checked back inside. His brake pads are working. He could stop on the dime. He stayed with him. But I was just looking at the after effects. And yeah, he's not 100% yet. So they've got to be careful with him. That's all I'm saying. Arsenal started the season with a defeat to a newly promoted side for the first time in 45 years. They were beaten away at Brentford, courtesy of goals from Christian Norgard and... Uh, Sergi Canos. Um, the worst thing about this from an Arsenal perspective, Alex Crook, was that it was entirely predictable. So predictable. In fact, I woke up on Friday morning and uh, said to Mrs Crook, who is an avid Arsenal fan, this is not going to go well for me tonight. <laughs> um, but what about the football match? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> uh, enough about your dinner date. But it was, it, it was predictable even before we found out that uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang were mysteriously 
unavailable. And I think I'm right in saying that neither of them have taken to social media over the course of the weekend to, to wish the team well, to explain their absence. I think there's possibly more to that than meets the eye. No. But it's a mess, isn't it, Arsenal? It's a mess on the pitch. Um, they're just not good enough to be competing at the, the, the top end of the Premier League anymore. I felt a bit sorry for Ben White, who looked absolutely lost on his debut. £50 million is a big price tag based on what we saw on Friday. And I think already he might regret that decision to jump at the first big offer that comes his way. And on the subject of transfer dealings, what does it say about a club as illustrious as Arsenal that they couldn't get a deal done for a championship goalkeeper in Aaron Ramsdale, someone who's been relegated from the Premier League in each of the last two seasons? They had Tammy Abraham, by all accounts, very keen to make the trip across London. Couldn't get that deal done either. He's now... He's reluctantly joined Roma because he couldn't get a deal done with Arsenal. So Edu's got a lot to answer for. Hussam Auer, as I understand it, is very frustrated that they haven't followed up their interest in him. They're messing around with Martin Erdegaard. If they pay €40 million Euros for him, based on what we saw last season, that will be another expensive mistake. Mm. It's a mess from top to bottom. There's no two ways about it. And Brentford were fully deserving their victory and they're going to be a great addition to the Premier League. It's very difficult to sort of justify the way that Arsenal are behaving. And Gary Neville was quite stark on this on Friday night when he said he doesn't really understand the plan, the strategy or the recruitment process. And you can understand that, can't you? Because if you look at them, you know, they've given... Aubameyang, this huge contract, repeating the mistake that they made with Meza Ertzel. I mean, he's hardly got, scored a goal since. They've given an extended contract to Willian, who wasn't wanted by Chelsea because they felt he was towards the end of his career. He's hardly played. Granit Xhaka is going to get a new contract? Which is ridiculous because he was going to leave at the end of last season. It seems a very strange way to run your business. It doesn't seem particularly prudent, Trevor. Well, I mean, just looking at the game itself, for me, it was a team of men who were hungry, who were desperate to impress their home fans, um, who were a little bit fearful and went into the game wanting to win it every second ball, every 50-50, every individual duel, and against a team that were... I mean, they, they were terrible. What, what about that second goal, Trevor? The, the throw-in, the long throw-in that goes into the box. Yeah. Obviously, Leno's pinned a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's right? weak, though, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, I think White wasn't there, letting the ball bounce inside your, your box. You know, it's a no-no for any These are fundamentals, though. These are fundamentals, Sam. You know, you look at it all together, and Aubameyang and Lacazette, we just mentioned it there. You know, first game of the season, you've been through pre-season. Listen, I know we've got a COVID situation, but if it's not COVID, if you've just got a little bit of a temperature... You take some pa- pa- paracetamol, you get yourself right, and you turn up for the boys. You put 45 minutes in, 60 minutes. Do whatever you can yeah, to no, turn no, up because you've got a, lo- a lot of young you're players not in the team. Feeling under the weather, do you know? You've got a long... A lo- listen, I can't... I would say 10% of the games that I played, and a lot of, a lot of fans would probably agree with this, I was 100% fit. 20. All the other times, you've got blisters, you've got knocks, you've got dead legs, you've got a sore arm, you've got a crick neck. You've always got wounds. Now, it's whether you want to play football or whether you want to look like a footballer. I wanted to play football. I weren't bothered about what, what, what I looked like. I just wanted to get out there and compete and be part of the team and contribute. Which is a stark difference to your post-career where you obviously care about <laughs> what you look like a lot more than you do your performance. I think, I think players at Arsenal need to have a bit more of that about them than worry about the social media and about the commercial deals and about looking like the, 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 the finished article. Start looking like the finished article on the pitch. By I mean, leaving everything for that football club. It, it's got to the stage with Arsenal where... Well, you don't believe a word they say. I mean, Mikel Arteta, Arteta comes out and he says, oh, you know, they're, they're ill, they're unwell. Yeah, but even there. he doesn't look like he's convinced by the fact that he's saying and, that. And didn't really go into any great detail. But I was going to say, I guess the stage where it stops being fun 
baiting Arsenal fans. Yeah. You actually start to you, feel you, guilty. Even I feel a little bit sort of irate about the fact that Arsenal have been allowed to drop so far. Yeah, because they are historically the third biggest club in the country, but they're miles off that now. Miles. Miles. But brilliant for Brentford. I mean, what a start. Thomas Frank, the fans, the atmosphere, you know, full house, the contribution the players gave. You know, I thought, I thought it was an absolutely terrific start to the Premier League season and what a curtain raiser for the Premier League to continue on from, from that at the weekend. And uh, yeah, every player should be proud of the performances. And, and not only that, I mean, you look at players in their team, Pinnock, he was playing non-league football six years ago. There's so many stories within that side of play. You know, Ivan Tony, we know, man of the match, Canos with his goal. It was just a brilliant night for a, for a team that have tried and tried and failed and, and at last they've got to the Premier League. And then when they've got there, they're not shrinking violets. They've stepped up to the plate and they beat Arsenal in a London derby in front of the home fans at the new stadium. I mean, it's a Hollywood ending. Well, the good news is that it gets a lot easier for Arsenal because they have Chelsea and Manchester City. Next. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Let's talk about Chelsea. 3-0 winners over Crystal Palace and Patrick Vieira's first game in charge didn't go particularly well. He actually said afterwards, it may take a little bit longer than I thought to get my <laughs> ideas across. Uh, might need a few more players as well. He actually said we'll work to bring in more players between now and the end of the transfer window. Anderson came on in the second half. 18-year-old Rak Saki made a debut in the second half as well. But I was looking at the team, Trevor, and I was quite surprised about the fact that if you look at it, Guaita in goal, Ward Coyarte, Gurhi. Mitchell the back four and uh, then you've got the likes of Riedewald in midfield MacArthur in midfield Schlupp one side then you've got Zahar and Mateta up front um, Jordan Ayew on the right hand side basically apart from Gurhi it's the same team as last season for, for all this talk of revolution at Crystal Palace actually nothing much has changed yeah but I mean you've got Eze missing which he was missing at the end of the season um, you've got um Townsend missing, who was also a threat down the wings and gave him pace. Uh, in it's intensity. not a massive revolution, is it? I'm not saying it's a massive revolution. We all, we all expected playing, that yeah. was going to happen. No, it's, it's not. But I think they have to fill fill in the squad places for players that can come in and actually do a job. Because I think that's where the problem is. If, if you get one or two injuries and you start, you know, the Premier League 
once the Premier League season gets up and running, you've got a game on a, a Saturday, then you've got a game on a Tuesday, Saturday. All of a sudden, you know, you need to rest players. And that's where the problem begins for, for, for Crystal Palace because they haven't got the strength in depth. And for me, that's what Vieira was talking about. Listen, we didn't expect them to do anything. They're playing against the Champions League champions at home, full of confidence. They've just signed probably a player that will bring them so much more going forward in that final third with the clinical finishes that we expect. Were you impressed with Chelsea Crook, <laughs> the fact that they had no Lukaku, no Conte, no Ziyech, no Chilwell, no Havertz? Yeah, I thought it could be a dangerous fixture um, for Chelsea, although maybe I overestimated Crystal Palace and the threat they would pose, but they did just about everything right, Chelsea. T- tremendous free kick from Alonso. Um, great. Was it tremendous? I, I watched it. I've watched it a few times actually. And he's very good at free kicks. He's brilliant at free kicks. But like, it goes over the wall. I think maybe the wall should have done better. And look at the goalkeeper. I think mm, he's, he's not actually that high. He's sort, thought, of, sort of midway between the top of the, the it, crossbar and, and, and the middle of the goal. Is this your goalkeeper hatred coming out? Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was rubbish. The goalkeeper. <laughs> uh, I'm being honest. I think it was. Yeah. In the whole game, I thought it was rubbish. He is out in force for the goalkeepers tonight. Oh, no. I thought uh, Chalaba <laughs> was one of the stories of the weekend. And yeah. you know what? We haven't mentioned yet, really, that the fans coming back in, but wonderful atmospheres up and down the country. Great scenes at Old Trafford. Fantastic. Great scenes at Stamford Bridge. And if Chalaba had scored that goal on the first day of last season, Different behind closed doors, yeah. the, the emotional reaction that moment would have been where there. he drops to his knees and he's. He realises, it sort of dawns on him that he's scored a goal for the team that he drawn, joined at eight years of age. And he's got some of his mates there, Mason Mount, who's been a teammate for probably 13, 14 years, but right the way through the Chelsea Academy. It was a terrific moment for him. I'm really pleased for him because he played really well. He played really well, actually, in the Super Cup in midweek as well. And he earned his place in the Chelsea team and he did very, very well. It was a 25-yard pile driver another Chelsea graduate. He actually spent 108 appearances on loan elsewhere for wow. earning the right to play for Chelsea. I mean, it's a terrific story. And, you, and you wonder story, now, isn't it? it is, Trevor, but you wonder now, does it change their transfer approach? Because we know they were going all in for Jules Kunde. Do you think, actually, do we need to spend £68 no. million? Pound? Why don't we no, get I this? Think, I, think, I think you look at that right-hand side and obviously with Reese James and Aspilicueta, they've got two strong players. They've not really got strength and depth in them areas. And I think Chalaba's shown that he's capable, you know, not just his uh, combativeness out of possession and his positional sense out of possession, but I think he was hungry. I think he was great on the ball. You know, when he was forced into doing a little bit and stepping in, he did that, kept the ball. His passing range was excellent. And I feel, listen, I think if you play in the top teams, he'll probably play Aspilagueta as the right wing back and uh, as the as right back of the centre, free centre halves and play James there. But the more and more he plays, the more confident he gets and the more belief that, and, and trust the manager has in him, I think he he, he possibly could um, stop Chelsea going into the transfer market to get other players in that position. Um, I don't know if you think we should call the RPSB the Royal Protection Society of Birds because uh, Christian Pulisic has certainly got something against Eagles. Five of his 13 Premier League goals <laughs> have come against Crystal Palace. He's, he's obviously got it in for them for whatever reason. Uh, Vieira is the third manager in a row to lose his first game in charge of Crystal Palace. I do think, though, knowing Patrick and spent a bit of time with him in the summer, he's a very relaxed, sort of careful, very sensible guy. He obviously has got a plan for the team. He knows how he wants to transform that squad. What Crystal Palace have got to do is show a little bit of steel, really, because the, the last time they got themselves into this situation where they wanted to change the way they played, they invested in a manager... Then they sacked him after seven matches. They can't do that again. They've got to be a little bit more stoic 
in their support of Patrick Vieira. Yes, they have. But for me, and I like the business that they've done, um, Gerhi didn't have a great debut. Anderson will obviously come into the team in due course. Um, Conor Gallagher couldn't play because he's on loan from on loan Chelsea. From Chelsea yeah. So he'll, he'll add to the squad. I think they're very keen on Will Hughes and maybe even David Brooks at Bournemouth as well, although Bournemouth reluctant to sell him. The issue I've got is where are the goals coming from? I think they're still too reliant on Wilfred Zaha. I'm not sure that Benteke will be able to continue that purple patch from the end of last season when he was playing for a contract. And I'm not sure on Matata. So I think that's that's a problem that Patrick Vieira needs to solve and quickly. Let's move on to Leicester, who beat Wolverhampton Wanderers by a goal to nil. Actually, didn't have it all their own way. It was the first game in charge for Bruno Large, who is the new manager of Wolverhampton Wanderers, having been the assistant at Sheffield Wednesday and at Swansea City. So he has got a bit of knowledge of... English football. Um, no Bertrand tested positive for COVID. Jimenez started for the first time since his uh, skull fracture back in November. I mean, it was a lovely little ball uh, by Ricardo Pereira for the goal after a little flick that took it through the legs of the defender. Very well worked Jeremy Vardy finish as well. But ultimately, Wolverhampton Wanderers had more chances in this game, Crook. Yeah, they did. Um, and I think we saw from this game it's going to take Jimenez a while to get back up to full match sharpness, which is understandable after such a horrific injury. But I think Wolves fans will take a lot of positives from the performance. Again, a new manager uh, maybe trying to change slightly the way they play. I think Connor Cody will be disappointed with the goal, um, allowing Vardy to run off him. It was a great finish, take nothing away from that. And the evergreen Jamie Vardy just keeps scoring goals in, in the Premier League. But it wasn't a convincing Leicester City performance. So again, I think with, with the new signings, well, with the injuries, they're going to take a bit of time to well, gel Trevor, as well. They, they panicked towards the end of the game. They Not panicked, but they, they, they solidified towards the end of the game. Brendan Rodgers is signing that actually we're conceding too many chances here. We'll go to a three-man defence. He, he had to change it because he knew that the tide was turning. Well, the fact that they got the three points means it was the right call. I think Brendan's proven being, being a top coach. Um I think it was a blow to them, as, as well as Thomas did at left-back towards the end of last season, especially in the um, FA Cup final. I just feel Ryan Bertrand and uh, Harvey Barnes in that Community Shield game showed me enough in, in 90 minutes that they're going to be very, very dangerous down that left-hand side for Leicester City this season. Mm -hmm. The goal itself, like you mentioned earlier, I thought it was excellent play by Pereira. Bardi does what he does. His movement, fox in the box. He's going to out with better players than Cody without being disrespectful. And he and he does that for fun. That, that is his game. And I think it just shows, you know, the sharpness of him, the hunger of him. It was the right call to, to, to retire from international duty. But I think there's more to come from this uh, Leicester City side. You know, you look at the, the signings they made and, and Samare, I think he's, got, he's a very athletic, physical, combative skillful technical player in the middle of the park and you know he's very similar to Indidi in a lot of ways but he has other attributes as well so when he gets uh, in that side and starts getting a feel for his teammates and getting that chemistry right I think that's going to be a great acquisition for Brendan Rodgers obviously at centre-half they've got a couple of problems um, I'm not sure who whether they're going to go for the boy from um, Bayern Munich the American, young American international but they probably need a bit of cover there because they've got too many injuries and uh, in general I thought it was a really good outing for, for Leicester clean sheet as well so Brendan Rodgers no injuries yeah good job on, on the first day of the season they'll be alright now they've got Yannick Vestergaard won't they because for Fana although he's going to be out for a while we know that Johnny Evans heel injury is, is temporary rather than permanent yeah I think well, they're much it's ages old doesn't it when you get older so you tell me <laughs> it does it takes ages <laughs> and even the training you know even the training sometimes that can put you back a little bit so he's got to be careful with that but yeah yeah the, the, that signing will help them 
I think from what I'm told, they might still look to add one more defensive player. Um, they're, they're looking at uh, Takiro Tomiyasu, who was the Japanese defender who's been heavily linked with Tottenham as well. So I think if Brendan can get one more player in before the transfer window closes, that's where he'd like to do a bit more business. OK, Newcastle were beaten at home by West Ham by four goals to two. Trevor, as a result, is a West Ham fan this weekend. 2-1 down at half time. They showed great characters to come back, Trevor, didn't they? Brilliant. Yeah, no, listen, superb. Um, listen, I thought Newcastle started the game really well. They were threatening, but at large parts, even in the first half, I thought West Ham controlled the game. They've got great players going forward. In them forward midfield areas, wide areas, obviously Antonio on his day, he's very difficult to control. Uh, powerful, his link-up play is improved. He's a proper number nine now. You know, when he first took up that role, or when he first started playing for West Ham, he was right wing back, he was he was right wing, he was left wing. We didn't really know what position, we knew we wanted him in the team, but we didn't know what his best position with. I think today, you know, it was a great example of we already know that he's a, he's a number nine. He loves playing up there. Uh, he doesn't mind being on his own. Um, and he was so effective with his play. You know, he got a goal, left-footed cross. He's technically he's improving. The cross that he put in for the goal um, was superb. Like, had to wrap his foot right down the ball. Missed the near post, man. Missed the goalkeeper out. And he's gifted his teammate a goal. Um, yeah, he was outstanding. I thought the team responded super. You haven't well. mentioned the penalty miss, though. It was a rubbish penalty, wasn't it? It was crap. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was Bobbins. Um, but that's what that's what but, 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 there but, for. But, but maybe, but maybe we should factor in the fact that uh, Freddie Woodman is a penalty expert, and he saved ten of the twenty-eight yeah. penalties. That he's he read. reads people well. He didn't need to read that one. I, I read that one in commentary. But um, you're right. What is it with keepers today? <laughs> Character, the big buzzword that Sam used there because yeah. Newcastle played really well in the first half. Uh, Callum Wilson got his customary goal <laughs> against West Ham. Nine goals in 11 games now uh, against West Ham. It was written in the stars that he would score. His movement was good. He looked sharp. Sam Maximan played really well, but he burnt himself out because... I was going to say, they ran out of steam, didn't they? Yeah, and there were times when Sam Maximan was literally dropping to the edge of his own penalty area, almost like you do on FIFA when you, you try and run and beat as many men as you could. He was doing that regularly in the first half. But So I think he needs to be a bit more intelligent um, with when he decides to use his skill and trickery and you know manage his way through 90 minutes. Newcastle fans uh, not happy with Steve Bruce. Well, hold on. Wow. Sorry, there's a shot. <laughs> Precisely. But I thought it was a really good game. You know, in keeping with the rest of the weekend. It was a brilliant entertainment spectacle, yeah. wasn't it? I it, mean, it was fantastic. It kept you on the edge of the seat. It did. And, and West Ham deserve a lot of credit uh, continuing their, their good run from last season. Only Manchester City have won more games in the calendar year than West Ham, who haven't really strengthened their squad, apart from they Areola haven't. coming in as backup goalkeeper. So, yeah, maybe, maybe another good season ahead, but they still need a couple of players for me. If Antonio gets injured... It's yeah. a problem in that They've area. They've also got the Europa League to deal with. That's going to be difficult for them as well because they're going to stretch the, uh, the, yeah. the strength of the squad. 100%. Uh, I will say, just, just before we move on from West Ham, I will say that, say, Ben Rama, he struggled to score goals. His performance was good. I think the fact that he scored on the first day of the season, this could be a very, very special season. And actually, it might help West Ham fans forget about Jesse Lingard because I think he, he can possibly supersede that. Absolutely. And if you were listening to the Sunday session on TalkSport, I think... I Probably exactly the same thing. Which is clearly what you were doing. Sorry about that. Why you were repeating it. Result of the weekend, I think, should go to Watford. Yeah. Uh, promoted to uh, the Premier League. 3 2 winners against Aston Villa. That sounds close. It wasn't. They were 3 0 up before eventually succumbing to a John McGinn wonder goal, which was wow. a brilliant 
brilliant finish by him. And then Danny Ng's penalty in the 97th minute. So actually, you know, this they were over the hills and far away by the time that uh, Danny Ng scored that goal. That's a really good return to the Premier League for Cisco Munoz. It is, and maybe punches a bit of the enthusiasm around Aston Villa. I think a lot of people thought, even after losing their captain, that they made some some decent acquisitions with that £100 million and could still challenge for Europe. I think Buendia had a really disappointing debut, and actually Darren Bent on the boot room on Sunday night pointed out his figures from when he was last in the Premier League. One goal, seven assists. He's going to need to up that um, to replace that creativity from Jack Grealish. Defensively, Villa were all over the shop. Matt Target had an absolute nightmare. Both the fullbacks had a terrible game. Yeah, and that's a worry. But credit to Watford, Emmanuel Dennis, probably not a player that uh, too many of us knew much about before the weekend. I thought he was exceptional. And I think credit, credit to their owners as well, because they've fought hard to keep Ismail Assar. Uh, Manchester United certainly made at least one bit a couple of windows ago. Liverpool have looked at him as well. Mm. Just towards the end of their last Premier League campaign, the penny seemed to drop with him. You were there when they beat Liverpool, ended their unbeaten run. He was unplayable that day. And I think he's going to have a big season. Yeah, he carries the ball really well. He's a real handful. And um, he absolutely terrorised Matt Target on Saturday afternoon. Emmanuel Dennis became the fourth Nigerian ever to score in his Premier League debut after... Kanu? Nope. Odin Wingy? Yes. Well done. JJ Okocha? Nope. Trevor, are you going to contribute to this quiz at any time? I thought you've already said yes. No, we've got one out of four. So oh, right. Three more to get. We've got two more to get because Emmanuel Dennis is... Uh, the fourth. The fourth. So you've got Peter Odenwingi, two more Nigerians to score on the Not day. Alex Iwobi. Nope. Um, I'll give you another clue. One of them was also at Watford. Oh, um, um, uh, went to Manchester United as he well. He did, he did. Correct. What was his name? He was so good, I've forgotten his name. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> what, what was his name? Odi Nagala. That's him. Yeah. yeah. And one more? Someone oh, just move on. Know. Move on, sir. Just tell us. Both of you should know, because you um, come on the wrong end of him in a cup final, and you covered him a lot when he was down on the South Coast. So oh, not yeah. Carnu, Portsmouth, yeah. I said Carnu, right at the top. Mm, not Carnu. John Utaka. Utaka. Yes. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Well done to Emmanuel Dennis. And also well done to Hernandez as well, who's been on several loan spells despite being at uh, Watford for many years. Uh, But that finish was absolutely sensational. (laughs) One of the goals of the weekend. Let's move on to Everton against Southampton. Everton beating Southampton by three goals to one. I told you Everton were the bet of the week. You did. Uh, didn't look that way at half-time, did it? R- really good start for Adam Armstrong. Thought he took his goal well. I think he will score goals in the Premier League. It's the other end, I think, where you worry for Southampton having lost Bertrand and Vestergaard. And it was a really poor second-half performance from them. Having said that, credit to Rafa Benitez for, for turning around the deficit. You can imagine if they'd lost at home to Southampton. Oh, those dissenting voices would have been out in force. But I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin is going to have another big season because what we know is he's brought in the two wide men. There's going to be lots of crosses into the penalty area. And I thought he scored a terrific header. They averaged uh, no more than 12 crosses in games last season, Everton. 17 on day one. The game plan is pretty clear, isn't it? Get the wide man active, Townsend, Gray, and get it into the big man, Trevor. Simple as that. I think play to your strengths. I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin has obviously proved that he can score goals in the Premier League. Last season was a real breakthrough season for him for number-wise. I think Richarlison's had a really successful summer. He's coming back confident. They both scored. Um, Cross is going into the box. I think Damari Gray is is a very uh, underrated player. Andros Townsend, we've seen him uh, display decent displays in the Premier League. 
Um, just makes sense, doesn't it? I think I think that's what you get when you get Rafa Benitez. He understands w- what the core and the strengths are of the team, and he tries to add to that. He organises the defence. Sometimes it's not the prettiest to watch, but the players with uh, no uncertainty know exactly what their jobs are in the in the team. And I think, yeah, getting up. I mean, listen, he was welcomed very well at the beginning of the game, but he was clapped off like a hero at the end. So I think they're behind him. I think if he can continue to improve that team. Uh, they get to know each other. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a successful season for Everton. Yeah, whether, they can break in, whether they can break into the top six, seven, I'm not sure. Um, Trevor, I love you because you're such an optimist. You, you talked about the fact that it was clapped before the game and uh, celebrated after the game. You forgot the fact that halftime it was booed off. Yeah, but we'll just we'll just we'll just paste over that one. Glass <laughs> is always half full, Trevor. Tre- well done. Yeah, Why not, Trevor? Yeah, usually with half a glass of Rioja or something like that. <laughs> I know I'm waiting to go for one. Chop, chop. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite moment of the whole weekend was the Dominic Calvert-Lewin diving. I love Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Yeah. We all know. Uh, but the diving header was fantastic. I mean, the goalkeeper had an absolute nightmare. But, you know, it, it, you told me that Forster was going to start in goal for uh, Southampton. That yeah, I, I, I did say I didn't have anything to back that up other than a hunch. But I tell you what, if there's uh, many more performances like that from Alex McCarthy, and he wasn't great towards the end of last season. I think Forster will be back in. It's a problem for Southampton. It's been a problem for Southampton. They had three goalkeepers with Angus Gunn. None of them particularly good. Okay, let's send our attention finally to Burnley against Brighton. Brighton winners by two goals to one. I don't even think the James Tarkovsky goal should have stood, no. to be honest with you, because it was a foul on Neil Mopai uh, at the beginning. Um, and then Mopai and uh, McAllister uh, converted in the second half. And credit to Graham Potter because, I mean, I thought it was a bit odd when I saw the team sheet come out. Webster, Duffy, Duncan, Gross as a back four. Alzate as a holding midfielder. March, Muepo, uh, Bissouma and Trossard behind Mopay. He changed it in the second half and he had to because it was a, it was a disaster, wasn't it? Yeah, although uh, nice to see Duffy uh, reunited with Lewis Dunk. They've got a special bond and uh, I think he's played a special part in, in Brighton's history. But you're right, the changes affected the game. Uh, Jakob Modder, basically his first touch, set up the equaliser. And then obviously McAllister gets the winner. It's a, it's a good win for Brighton because they're still short of a number nine for me. They've obviously lost Ben White from the back line. I think they've still got a bit of business to do. And what they didn't want to want to happen was to start the season badly and find themselves behind the eight ball. So a positive victory. You're right about the first goal. And actually, I think it's been a great weekend for officials in the Brilliant. Premier League. Every decision right apart yeah. from that. Exactly. So, um, you know, let's praise them because we've given referees a, lot, a big kicking. I think the VAR changes have, have worked. Yeah, lighter touch, not necessarily getting involved too often. Sometimes that means that... You know, goals will be given that you might argue with. The Bruno Fernandes hat-trick goal was a clear example of the new yeah. changes to the law, the fact that he was given onside when last year probably that would have been given offside. But I do think this decision in particular was probably wrong. Yeah, well, I, think, I think players will understand that and now they'll stay on the feet because they know that if they just simulate it and go to ground pretending that they've been touched and they've not really, they're not going to get the decision. And I think the, the referees and the officials have got to be strong with that. Just got just looking at Burnley. I'm really concerned about Burnley. You know, I'm looking oh, at the squad. Be. I'm looking at the squad there. I haven't won at home, Trevor, since the old king died. Yeah, but I'm looking at the squad there. There's no new faces. Um, the players, you know, the, the manager's got a year left on his contract. There's there's rumours that you know they're not investing. There's no there's no money to spend. Or the players that they're trying to recruit, I'm not really too too sure about Burnley, where it is, what it represents, and. Yeah, I'm concerned this year. I've, I've been pretty pretty um, behind uh, Burnley in the past few years, knowing that they've got good recruitment, even when they've lost players, they've brought in players. And 
I just feel like there's a little bit of disharmony. I'm not sure that Sean Dyche is um, really in, enjoying it as much as he should be, um, whether he's getting the backing, whether he's got the belief. And to do it time and time again without the resources, it, sometimes it can get tiresome. And I, I think this season could be very difficult for Burnley. Yeah, uh, Trevor Sinclair talking about Burnley there. Burnley, a club who, let's be honest, have only added one player over the summer in Nathan Collins and then Wayne Hennessy as the supplementary goalkeeper. But this is a team that haven't won at Turf more in 11 games and they are a team that rely on their home form. And when you think that last season they scored 14 goals at home, Manchester City went there twice, one in the cup, one in the league and scored five goals there. I mean, that's a worry. Yeah, and keep an eye on James Tarkovsky um, as well, their goal scorer, because I think I'm right in saying that his contract hasn't got that long to run. Uh, He's someone who's been on West Ham's radar in the past. They're Mm. struggling to find a centre-half, haven't been able to make a breakthrough uh, with either Zuma or Milinkovic, their two top targets. It wouldn't surprise me between now and the end of the window if possibly they test Burnley's resolve. Okay. All right, thank you very much. Alex Crook, back with us on Thursday for the preview podcast, looking ahead to the weekend. Looking forward to that? I'm looking forward to the uh, early season drinks don't, afterwards. Don't tell everyone about that. <laughs> Trevor Sinclair, is, are you coming down for that, Trevor? Are you going to see you for uh, I don't think I can. I'm coaching on Friday, so it's uh, it's a little bit too much for me to do. So precious. Um, right, but we are, me and you are back together again for the first time this season. We on are. Saturday. We are. I'm looking forward Absolutely. to it, yeah. We're doing Liverpool, Liverpool Burnley. Burnley. Yeah, it should yeah. be good. I'm expecting the same, pretty much the same from Liverpool. Um, all I would say is both of you two enjoy being joint top of the league because it matters when it comes middle of May. And I'm sure neither of you are going to be there then. I don't think we're joint top, Trevor, because we have a plus four goal difference. Chelsea only have plus three. <laughs> and we're not really worried about it because we're still shining the European Cup. Um, but anyway, Trevor, have a great evening. Lovely to speak to you. See you soon. That is the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. Please tell all your friends about it. By the way, just want to say thank you. I was lucky enough to be revealed the listening figures to the Game Day podcast this week. And I want to say thank you to everyone that's listened to it and everyone that's helped us in terms of progressing the number of people that are getting involved as well. Uh, We'd love to hear from you at Sam Matterface on Twitter, at Alex underscore Crook on Twitter, is that right? Yeah. And Trevor? Eight. Sinclair. This Morse code, sorry, I couldn't work out. Trevor Eight Sinclair. All right, okay, thank you. Um, If you want to get in touch with us. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us. We're back on uh, Thursday evening where we'll preview all the weekend's games. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.